Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is The Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the Metaverse, Web3, and more with stories that matter to the crypto world. All on The Hash for your ears. You're listening to the Coindesk Podcast Network. Good morning. It's Friday. I hope you guys had a good Thursday. Jen, how you doing? Great Thursday. Getting ready for the weekend. Doing good. You're doing good. That's good to hear. Mm -hmm. Sam, how you doing? Doing good. Thank you both for having me. Good. Good. Yeah, long great week. to see you guys on the hash. We got a lot of topics to cover. You know, it's a little, a little more relaxed feeling. We got a great September Friday going on right now. But let's dig into the first topic. Jen, throw it over to you. We got some news about Celsius with an interesting approach to covering their debt problem. Interesting, but not a story we haven't heard before. So, according to a leaked audio file, Celsius might be planning to turn its debt into IOU tokens. So the leaked file, you can hear Celsius's CTO and co-founder, Nuke Goldstein, detailing the plan. As we can all remember, Celsius filed for chapter 11. Yep. This is the greatest name in crypto history. I know. Nuke Goldstein. I know. Nuke Goldstein is the man behind I did a, double take. a failed Ponzi scheme, alleged Ponzi scheme. We don't know yet. What? But okay, I mean, continue. I yeah, it just Nuke Goldstein sounds like the best supervillain name ever. I know everyone on Twitter had a really good time with the name when the story broke yesterday. So as everyone can remember, Celsius filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection in July. And this was one month after halting withdrawals due to liquidity issues. So, Will, I'm going to pop this one up to you. Besides Nuke's name, what do you make of this solution? Honestly, we could just do the whole show about Newt Goldstein's name because it's really just that gosh. fantastic. But we shouldn't. You know, there's more pressing topics to cover within this story. The most interesting thing about it to me is the IOU solution, right? Because like this token has been done before, like this token idea. Bitfinex is probably like the largest name out there for doing this. They issued the Leo token after a hack in 2016 where they saw a bunch of Bitcoin, billions of dollars worth of Bitcoin were stolen from them. They issued this token in order to shore up their books. And that actually worked out very successfully. It took a few years, but they got their Bitcoin back. And that was actually happened this year with a very interesting story about a TikToker who broke into the back end of uh, Bitfinex and sold a bunch of Bitcoin. But that's for another day. The point is they use the IU token, were able to shore up their company and continue to work and survive. But on the other hand, there's other stories where this does not happen, right? Where people issue a token, 
does not really work for their company. And then people are still holding the bag now just with this basically worthless promise that only unravels more over time. There's some interesting points to this token they're coming up with. Nuke had some great comments on it. Uh, We don't know if this is actually going to happen as well. This is according to leaked video stuff from a customer of Celsius. So we'll still have to see if this is going to happen. I wouldn't be surprised if they do this though, right? Like they're already sort of shady. They already do some interesting things and this would be sort of in their tradition. Sam, I'm going to throw it over to you, get your take. Yeah, I mean, one element of this story that I think we kind of brush over, but is just cool, is the fact that this came from leaked audio. So there's this YouTuber named like Tiff Talks, I think, and where this all came from. And you can actually hear Mashinsky, who we just talked about, talking through this strategy and the kind of brazenness with which he goes about explaining this new system that he's planning on setting up illuminates not only, you know, this story, what they're planning on doing, but also the mindset that the architect of this broader Celsius scheme or product or whatever you want to call it, the way that he's going about this still shows that he's optimistic and he still basically got this hope that they'll be able to throw it all together in the end through this new scheme or whatever you want to call it. I I just think that it's fascinating. So even if you're not a part of Celsius, you you never invested, you're just reading this, you don't understand it. I recommend listening to the audio because it's just fascinating and give some insight into how some of these crypto folks think about all these big headlines behind the scenes. Yeah, that optimism is kind of worrying when you see a story like this, right? It's like, at what point do we accept that things have gone wrong and show some kind of vulnerability? I mean, this isn't the only thing that's happening with Celsius right now. There are two other stories that were very popular this morning. One about the Washington state regulator joining the bankruptcy case. So that now um, includes Washington, Alabama, Kentucky, New Jersey, and Texas that are all investigating the company. And equity holders are wondering what's going to happen to them after this bankruptcy filing, saying that, you know, the majority of the focus has been on retail customers. But there was that $750 million Series B round that was raised just before this company kind of exploded. So I just think that optimism shows someone who's just a little bit out of touch right now. I don't know. I don't I don't like it. I like to see people, you know, show that they care and understand that this is a bad time. There's a huge hole in their balance sheet as well, right? According to this story, we have some information about like what assets they have on hand. They owe about $5 billion worth of assets to a lot of different creditors. And making sure those assets go to the right hands is not only an expensive process, but we don't necessarily know if those assets are really worth that much, right? Because we're in the land of crypto and everything goes up and everything goes down. Right now we're down, right? So one asset they're talking about this is actually the mining subsidiary Celsius Mining, which had a pretty large presence in the United States. And they're hoping that they can use this mining arm in order to shore up their books, maybe sell it off piecemeal. But just looking at the mining industry right now, everything is down 70, 80, 90%. It's probably not worth what they think it is. They still have the same amount of creditors who are expecting the same amount of money. How do you get out of that? Maybe this token works. I don't think it will. It really does sound like someone named Nuke Goldstein came up with this idea. It doesn't really seem like something that's going to get them out of this situation. But we can leave it there unless you guys have some final thoughts. We could turn to an actual other mining story. Big news from Compute North, which filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy yesterday. Just as a disclosure, I do work for Compass Mining as a content director, and we do host with Compute North. 
This story has some big implications for the mining space, which, as I just mentioned, is already seeing maximum pain possible because everything is down by quite a lot. Compute North is one of the largest hosting providers in the United States. They mostly host for larger companies, including Marathon Digital, which we'll focus on here. Marathon Digital is probably one or two of the largest names in mining in the space. A lot of people who wanted exposure to Bitcoin but didn't want to buy Bitcoin outright bought Bitcoin mining stocks and they bought equity in Marathon Digital. Marathon Digital hosts almost exclusively with Compute North at this time. So they are trying to add more hosting different places in the US with different companies. What we have here is basically Marathon Digital putting themselves in a pickle where they only have one hosting provider and that hosting provider is now going through Chapter 11. What does Chapter 11 mean? Well, we don't quite know yet. It could mean a lot of different things, including divvying up assets for creditors. It could just mean renegotiating debt. It could mean a host of different things, right? We still don't know yet. Uh, But it definitely means a lot for Marathon Digital, which as of right now is trading down about 8% on the day. They've also been downgraded from a buy to neutral by BTIG, which is an index out there or a ratings agency out there looking at which stocks to purchase. So pretty big news for the mining space to end the week. Sam, I'm going to throw this one over to you, get your take on it. Yeah, honestly, I I think it's interesting. I don't know that much about the Bitcoin mining side of things. It did just get me thinking about the Ethereum side, which is mostly what I cover. And I think we're going to be seeing a lot more stories like this in light of the merge. A lot of people moved over to proof of work chains, and those chains are not going to be profitable very, very soon. You even saw Chandler Guo. I don't think it was on. It obviously wasn't on this show. It was on another Coindesk TV show talking about how mining operations writ large are struggling, not only on Bitcoin, on Ethereum, obviously, but also like these forks. And I don't know what's going to happen. I'll toss it over. Sam, why was it obviously not on this show? Are we not capable of having intelligent conversations? (laughs) <laughs> I just don't think Chandler Coyle wants to go on this show. I, I think we give him a little bit too much grief from what I've seen. But yeah, hey, try to invite him. Well, I have a question for you. You know, the price of Bitcoin is down like upwards of 70%. Electricity is becoming super expensive. If we zoom out, what does this story mean for Bitcoin? Great question. And I think it means that we don't know yet, right? So Bitcoin is down quite a bit from all-time highs, almost 70,000 in November. Now we're chopping around 19,000. And then, like you mentioned, energy prices are up. So, the fundamental issuers and movers of Bitcoin miners are really struggling right now because of uh, those two price points, which are critical to anything they do. And then, Bitcoin on top of that, I think people look at miners oftentimes and sort of see where miners are at in the ecosystem in order to decide, like, should we purchase or should we not? To me, this is just sort of like where we're at in the cycle. This always happens. Miners are sort of on the edge, right? When things are going really well, no one's doing better than miners. When things are going really poorly, nobody is doing worse than miners. So you really have to pick how you want to strategize to move through that. And nobody's going to do it perfectly, right? Because this is all a new digital economy. Uh, for Bitcoin, we'll, and we'll, we'll find out, right? We, we don't quite know yet. Uh, things look pretty bearish at the moment, though. Jen, I'll throw back to you for any last thoughts or questions or comments or interests. In yeah, the story. My, my last thoughts are questions just because you work in the mining industry. I mean, what do you think this means for the future of mining? Like, do you think we're going to see mining companies selling off assets? Or are they going to scale down? What's going to happen? Uh, there's definitely going to be some scaling down. We're already seeing this with some great people out there like CleanSpark who are purchasing mining rigs for really cheap. Coindesk has done some awesome coverage about that. So we've seen a lot of M&A deals. We'll see some consolidation. 
And we'll see mining breaks continue to go down in prices. Uh, for Bitcoin, we don't really know yet. But for miners, consolidation, probably some more washouts and hopefully more restructuring and get the companies back on their feet. But yeah, it's been a pretty wild bull market and now bear market for Bitcoin miners out there. Welcome to Coindesk's Women Who Web 3 podcast, your weekly podcast celebrating women supporting women, investing in women, and bridging the gender gap in wealth through Web 3. Each week, we'll be learning from powerful women sharing their insights on topics like creating belonging and inclusivity in the digital spaces, the metaverse, building prosperous Web 3 projects, investing in cryptocurrencies and building wealth. And we have how-tos from founders and builders who have been there and done that, healing sessions to give you the power to overcome imposter syndrome and everything you need to level up in your crypto journey. At the end of each podcast, stick around for some Zen with a relaxing meditation to center you after absorbing all the stories and the knowledge. I'm your host, Cams, and I'm on a mission to empower women across the globe to unlock the unlimited potential and earning power inside themselves through Web3. Whether you're just crypto curious or a crypto connoisseur, this podcast is for you. Let's get it. Coindesk has a new event. It's called Ideas, the Investing in Digital Assets and Enterprises Summit. It facilitates capital flow and market growth by connecting the digital economy with traditional finance. Join us for a 360 investment experience where you can source, invest, and secure the next big deal in digital assets, all in one place. Use code HASH20 for 20% off a general pass. Register today at coinest.com forward slash ideas. But let's move to the last story. I'm going to throw it over to Sam. We got some interesting stuff in Ethereum space with F2 pool yeah. or Stakefish rather. Yeah, Stakefish F2 pool. So F2 pool is a big Bitcoin mining pool that you might have heard of. It's the third biggest. Their sister company, it shares a co-founder. It's the founder of Stakefish. It's a validator on Ethereum and other chains. This is just kind of a big piece of drama that I had to put up at midnight last night, um, Eastern time, where they had to cut 25% of their employees. They're citing the bear market generally, but there's just some like crazy little tidbits in this story. First off, they gave people like two days notice. And those two days notice came two days before the Ethereum merge. So as most of us know at this point, the Ethereum merge shifted the operation of Ethereum from miners to validators. This is one of the largest validators. And then on the day of the merge, people were cut 25% from this company. They worked for years and then they're gone. I don't know. There, there's a ton in here. I recommend reading it. There's also, I think this is a good launching off point to talk broadly about what the merge means for validators in light of tornado cash sanctions, which mean that validators might have to stop proposing or attesting to block. So adding transactions to the Ethereum ledger that are sanctioned by OFAC. There's, there's a, you know, the, the merge was supposed to be a really exciting time but for validators, but because of obviously the bear market and then this broader regulatory com, um, context, it actually hasn't been quite as cheery as one might um, expect. Yeah, yeah, this is a really interesting story from a, I'll take another angle. I think the, the merge angle is also important here, but just looking at how employees are being handled during terminations going to a bear market. We all know like it's tech, right? So in tech, 
there's up cycles and there's down cycles. People get washed out. Like that's not going to change. It's just the nature of working in the tech industry and working at tech startups. Crypto tends to be on that farther out edge as well, right? Because it's tied to tokens, tied to the prices of tokens, tied to interest from retail. And those whips are really, really strong. And so we see a lot of people get washed out quickly. Uh, they might have been at the company for a few months and they're gone. They might have been there for quite a while. It doesn't matter. Uh, the executives at the company have to make a decision and get rid of folks. In this case, some solid reporting from you, Sam. I'm curious how you found out about this information, but it looks like the people at Stakefish were given the notice in a, like a very odd manner where they found out like before they were going to be fired, they found out from the wrong people. And a lot of these people didn't feel like they should have been let go in the first place and led to some resignations. But I'm curious to get your thoughts on that side side of the story. Yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head when you were talking about these heavy whips um, that people are feeling from bull market to bear market, specifically in crypto. I won't get into exactly how I heard about the entire story, but you alluded to the fact, and I have something in here about one of the employees who was laid off was one of the top leadership there, Dan Huang. He was tipped off by one of his direct reports named Dimi. Dimi was supposed to replace Dan, thought that the whole thing was BS, told Dan, hey, you're getting laid off, and then laid, you know, laid himself off. He um, ended up resigning from the company just because he thought things were so poorly handled. The fact that things were being spread by rumors to employees. Some employees, I have something here, um, there's a bunch of Slack messages quoted. Somebody said, quote, today on the Slack channel, as of today, one member of the marketing team has still not been contacted by anyone that they're to be fired tomorrow. So it, it just was handled poorly all around. So yes, there is that side of things. But then there's this other broader context that I want to get into. You mentioned F2Pool by accident at the beginning, their sister company. But it's actually been a little bit of a rough patch, if you want to call it that, for F2Pool. The Bitcoin miners, they used to be Ethereum miners. There's this really interesting study that came out from Hebrew University last week that some folks might have seen. I'm not sure if we reported on it in Coindesk, but basically they did something called, they're, they're calling it a bandit attack, they being the Hebrew University folks, where they were changing the times on blocks in order to win more blocks than other similarly resourced miners, they being F2Pool was doing this. And there's this big you know, controversy on the now, it's irrelevant because Ethereum mining isn't a thing, but there's this big controversy around whether this was a quote-unquote attack on the consensus level of Ethereum or whether it was just smart business to do this strategy for two years that nobody else knew about that you know, ended up letting them win more blocks than others. I don't know. Sorry to go on a big ramble there, but really interesting couple of companies to, to focus on right now. We love big rambles on this show. I wanted to pick it up from Will <laughs> where, where you left off. The story paints this picture of like a really unorganized and toxic work environment. There's a quote in there from the CEO and founder, Chun Wang. He said, it's normal in a bear market to reduce team size and optimize costs. Only non-tech positions are laid off. We're still working hard to hire more developers and DevOps. And I just think this whole thing just, just like tells a story again about a leader who in some ways may be out of touch because we've seen companies who have prepared properly for the bear market who have not had to lay off people during this bear market. I hear leaders in this industry and it's not just the CEO. There are so many others who say, you know, it's time to build. We're only hiring developers. I feel like they're forgetting about all of the other parts that make a functioning company. Like when your developers leave, 
you you need people working in HR to renegotiate or to hire more developers. If there is a hack because of a bug, you need someone in PR or comms to manage that crisis. If there's new regulation passed down, you need someone to re-strategize your business. And so I just think when we hear CEOs say things like this, it just shows like unpreparedness and out of touchness. And I don't like it. There's my big rant. I don't like it either. No, no but I, I think you're hitting on some important points here. One thing that was interesting in the story was they decided to make this layoff on the day of the merge, September 15th. And whether that was coincidence because the merge was sort of like a moving target, we didn't quite know when it was going to happen, or if it was chosen, doesn't really matter, right? Because it happened on the day that was pretty important not only for crypto, but for a company like Stakefish, which was built around the merge actually happening. Imagine working at a company and you're running with everybody for two plus years to develop a product. And then the day that you get there, they ax you, right? The day that you get to the finish line, you just get chopped off. And so it's unfortunate. I think it leaves a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths, which led to some of the resignations here. To your comment, Jen, like I do think there is some difficulty here, right? Like a lot of these founders are first times or they haven't had a lot of people go before. And I think it's it's pretty easy to mishandle this information or to trust the wrong people at your company. And before you know it, like the information gets out incorrectly, it's not handled as you want it to be handled, and things slip out of control. People are really tough to work with. And I think you find that out in some of these more human stories. Sam, throw it over to you for last thoughts. Yeah, just two things. So on the this CEO, Chun Wang, um, like I said, he was the co-founder of F2Pool. He's actually done this before. I didn't include it in this story because I wasn't able to get enough on the record to make it interesting. But there have been big layoffs at this company before. He's, I, I think, a billionaire. He's you know been at this for a little while, which makes this all the more galling. That's on one side. But the other thing you mentioned, which I, I think is important here, it wasn't only layoff. There were also resignations. One of the resignations was from somebody who was supposed to, according to many employees, at a certain point become the CEO of this company. Maybe that wasn't the case by the time this resignation happened. Anyway, that's a big loss. Some of the other folks who resigned, they cited ideological differences between themselves and Stakefish, this validator. And I think this gets to a larger point that I think bears focusing on moving forward past the merge. And as crypto writ large matures, which is you have employees of these companies who have that kind of, whether it's libertarian or rebellious or whatever it is, they have this sort of ideological bent to them that drew them to the space. But then you have these much more, you know, operationally focused, you know, profit focused CEOs running these companies and whether the ideology comes at, you know, comes to a head with what is needed to make money at these operations will become more and more interesting. And maybe we'll see more resignations as time goes on, not only at Steakfish, but beyond. All right. We are going to leave it there. Sam Kessler, thank you so much for joining the hash today. That was fun. Thanks a fun little treat me. for a Friday. Will Foxley, always amazing to see you here wow, for the hash. I am Jen Sanasi. You're watching on Coindesk TV. You're listening to us on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We hope you have a great weekend and we will see you on Monday. Same time, same place. Bye. You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. So if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening.
Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about. In your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. So your weekly grocery run can feel even more productive. And that morning coffee can taste like a little victory. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities to get lower rates on loans, like for a new ride or finally having a home to call your own. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime's Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at chime.com build. That's chime.com build. Chime feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com disclosures for details.